Boo, you whore. Mother. Podcast. I'm Maze Rooney, the creator of Top Magazine. I'm Kate Opie, a friend of the magazine. <laughs> I'm an artist. That's what I've put you in the description. As actually, I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I am a student still. <laughs> I make um, I make large scale drawings of figures. But I don't know. But that is pretty much what you do. But they're like, I'd say hyper-realistic. Oh, I wouldn't go hyper-realism. Hyper-realism is horrible. I would say if you really wanted to dumb it down, they are photorealistic drawings of figures um, exploring themes of feminism, relationships, women, um, things like that interest me. They are very, very good. Thank they are you. actually insane. What, Thank you. What's your your art Instagram? Is it just Kaoki Art? Kaoki Art. And you can see them all in there because they are incredible. Get at it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I started Tart when I was at uni last year. It was my final major project. Project. Mm-hmm. So I was taking illustration for commercial application. And I started it because I've always collected magazines and things like that. And mainly like Vogue and like the big magazines. And I realized they were just full of ads and it really bothered me because there'd be one thing I wanted to read. So I started Tart off the back of that as well as that I loved editorial kind of work and things like that. And here we are now, coming up with the, <laughs> trying to come up with a second edition, trying to get other people involved. But, it's really yeah. exciting. Trigger warning. So in this episode, we will be looking at Vogue's most recent report on the size inclusivity across the fashion shows. So there will be mentions of clothing sizes, categorising body types, weight and other things related to that. Viewer discretion is advised. You might want to consider skipping this episode if these are topics that upset or trigger you. Your well-being is important to us and we'll see you next time. I don't think, um, this is a complete side note. I don't think you realise um, the impact of Tart, like the first edition. Like, um, I spoke to Liv the other day and she told me how excited she is to be a part of the second edition. I had so many people get in contact, like the people I didn't expect. And I've also been able to reach out to so many people that like, yeah. I really love their work and get them involved. And they're like, so excited as well. Which I'm is really so- excited the second edition but yeah Lib was like I'm upset I was obsessed with the first edition of Tart the second edition will be March time yes we're hoping March 2nd because I think that's the Friday and that's the day we're going to do the launch party because I'll come up north and once I get Liliana on that Mm -hmm. be full steam ahead so I'm very excited for her to get back from holiday why have we started a podcast because I thought it was one of the best, like, it's, I mean, we always have conversations, I feel like every single, like, two friends do where they talk, <laughs> and then they'll be like, should be a podcast. A podcast. Isn't there a podcast called Everyone Has a Podcast? I have no idea, but 
probably. There's so many now. Yeah. Everyone's Everyone. on podcasts. Everyone has a podcast. Hi, I'm Oscar. Hi, I'm Oscar. Welcome back to the Intermission Podcast, where two film shoots talk about rare, obscure, and old films, or whatever the fuck he says. Big shout out, leave this bit in. Big shout out to the Intermission Podcast. There are idols. Actually. Everything I do in life is because of the Intermission Podcast. Me too. I've been saying this for the past year. Yeah. Are you Team Robbie or Team Oscar? Oh, I can't. I don't want to add fuel to this fire right now. However, everyone being new, I'm Team Oscar. Team Oscar, actually, to be fair. Are you Team Oscar? Yeah. You know what? Actually, no. Can I change this? Sorry. I was Team Oscar. Um, I've since met a, a man called Lewis Hamilton. Um, <laughs> not the race car driver. <laughs> Um, and I might now be Team Lewis. Right. So the other day, I was watching one of my favorite films of all time, which is The Devil Wears Prada. And as iconic as a movie it is, we all know how bad it is for its like body shaming language in it. Like Andy is a size six in it, which is like a UK size eight, and they consider her really fat in it. And obviously, she works for Vogue, and well, she works for Runway, mm. which is clearly like, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's so so many other 2000s movies that like do the same thing, like Bridget Jones' Diary. I've not seen it. <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking my wine. I've not seen Bridget Jones' Diary, no. With uh, Renee Zell- Zellwood? Zell- and Zell- I, think, I don't know if it, she had to gain like so much for the role or something, but she's considered like the fat pudgy girl. Same with Love Actually. Oh, and the girl- really? right, so for the actual role itself, she had to gain yeah. like, oh. Yeah. And, like, same with Love Actually, like, the um, assistant in that's considered, like, they call her fat and pudgy, and, like, she's really not. I didn't it... know this. I have a great example of this to add, though. I don't yeah. know if now is the time. Um, just thinking about that sort of early 2000s thing. I don't, I mean, I'm assuming that's all media you consumed. or Because mm-hmm. when I think about kind of the you know the stereotypical you know the friend that's meant to be not so slim i know what i always think about wizards of waverly place really harper i know who you were gonna say but like i've not harper was meant to be like she was always construed to be you know a little bit more you know on the plus size scale she's not plus size She's not. I never saw her as plus size. I, I know that she's supposed to be the quirky, weird character, but I never knew she but was that. Like... That was always a part of it, at least from I remember. She was always the kind of, it's always the friend of, right? It's like yeah. that sort of thing. And that her, I mean, that's just from I've seen, especially, I think I've seen her talk about it on, you know, I have to do the Waverly pod. I think I've seen clips of it on tiktok about her talking about it and you know that that's that's one thing for me that always stuck out watching that show because it's it's the weird thing of when you're a kid and you see that sort of media you know you always want to be alex right because alex is the main she's the protagonist no one ever wants to be harper but why (laughs) like it's so so strange I know what you mean though, because when when you're a kid, especially like God, Wizards Wave the Place probably came out two thousand six, maybe, maybe even a little bit later. And like me and my friends would play Wizards of Waverly Place mm-hmm. and everyone would want to be Alex. There yeah. was not a single person that would want to be Harper. 
Wizards of the Waverly Place came out. Yeah, 2007, finished 2012. I've never ever thought of that example. You know what? It's the first one that came to my head when you started talking about it. There was one that came up the other day on TikTok for me. Have you ever seen Shallow Hal? No. Oh my God. That movie is insane. Like, not in a good way. It's a Jack Black, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Basically, Jack Black plays this character who is... I I just Googled images of it. Yeah. Your classic man, um, very misogynistic, very, you know, only these women for their looks. And then I don't know if he gets some... I think he gets hit in the head or something. And then all of a sudden he only sees people's inner beauty. My God. With Gwyneth Paltrow's character. And Gwyneth Paltrow since has come out and said how embarrassed she is of the movie. So, I mean, that's really good that she said that. But like, God, it's like I the this seeing. I mean, there's so many um, articles about it um, that they're putting her in. Are they called fat suits? I don't yeah. know if that's what they that, are. Like, the, I'd say the theatrical term would be like. If you're working in theatre. Yeah, so it's apparently... I don't know why this article written. This is actually really interesting. This was written, oh, two months ago. The body double... There was a real-life body double for the scenes of Gwyneth Paltrow. She was wearing the fat suit. She had a real-life body double. And she's the um, Ivy Schnitzer. I don't know if that's how I pronounce the name. Has come out and said it fucking ruined her doing that film. It is awful. It's like there was another movie. Oh no, um, you you hated it because I was obsessed with it. Desperate Housewives. One of the so one of the characters eventually has a daughter, and this character was like a model in her day, like a supermodel, and she has a daughter who's supposed to be uh, overweight. And the little girl came out years later and said how much that like detriment. Bear in mind, she was a child. Child. This, yeah. This is what I mean. Like, you're putting uh, a label. I mean, I feel like getting into the whole child actors is a whole other thing. But, you know, surely, I don't want to say it must still be a thing. But I I I feel like I couldn't necessarily give you an example of it changing. It's, It's the awful concept of, I, like... In film, if you look at, you know, film and TV, you know, you have, you have your main characters and, you know, they're traditionally, they're always going to be, you know, the most likable, the most sort of whatever. And then you have everyone alongside them. But I feel like instead of making the main characters just genuinely good and likable people, they put, you know, these like traits on the side characters that are seen as you know bad or less desirable yeah when you actually do think about it because now i think yeah i think you could almost name any film i mean if you're looking at early 2000s specifically there's a lot of films oh god yeah i mean like even i mean we were talking about mean girls earlier but like yeah the amount of like comments and things that are made in that and i think rachel mcadams yeah. She had to wear padding and stuff when she starts to gain weight. When she eats those like protein bars or something and she gains yeah. like how many pounds? Yeah. Do you think that 
in terms of because obviously you just talk, spoke about Devil Wears Prada. Do you think in the Devil Wears Prada specifically, it's done in a ironic way and in a self-aware way because it's a film about runway and it's a film about super skinny supermodels and do you think that is a social commentary on that or do you think that is just a reflection of the times and that is how people felt both i think it is supposed to be funny because you know you've got the whole thing of where stanley tucci comes in i think he was like she says something like do these girls just not eat then and he makes some kind of joke about not since Six became the new four and four became the new two or something. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And like Stanley Tucci's character in that movie is always my favourite. But like, I think it it is, but also it is also a sign of the times because you've got the kind of, it's not just jokes because then later on Andy loses weight and and he goes in and he says... You might be about to say what I just completely interjected you and can say. She gets better at a job and she gets skinnier. yeah. But then she also says something, he walks in when they're in Paris and he's like, oh, not bad for a size eight. And she goes, a size six or size four. I can't remember because American sizes are so confusing. But yeah, going back onto Devil Wears Parada, um, the movie was based off of the best-selling book by Lauren Weisenberg, who was actually a PA under Anna Wintour. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Even though it is fiction, obviously it's based off a lot of truth. Right. An experience. Um, but yeah and then there's also the whole thing with Emily where she goes on a crazy diet because she's going to Paris and so much but it got me into thinking like watching the movie the other night if do you think so the book was written in 2003 okay do you think since then so it was 20 years ago that in kind of I'm going to go mainstream fashion, so we're going to go Vogue, that kind of fashion world, that there has been a change in body inclusivity. No. I, I mean, it's it's hard because my knee-jerk reaction is no. My knee-jerk reaction is no, and I think it's because of when... I mean, I, I don't regularly pick up a copy of Vogue or Cosmopolitan or any other, you know, kind of... But whatever I do see online if this is the tricky thing i think because if i ever do see a different body image on a runway or in a magazine in a photo shoot in whatever and whatever it's that's the main focus of it does that make sense and it's like maybe it needs to be maybe right now it needs to be and maybe one day you can just be a size 10 12 upwards i don't know and you can walk into a job in runway maybe one day that'll happen i don't believe that entirely but for right now it seems to be like like oh there's a plus size model on the runway god congrats oh my god body positivity oh my god all this all this all this all this and it's like okay but then you know is this a token thing like we don't really care as a brand but you're gonna love us for doing this you're gonna lap that shit up so whatever she's actually wearing kind of doesn't matter because it's just the fact that she's there that matters that's at least what it feels like to me because also i think I think the another thing is that I mean right now once again 
I'm not someone that massively consumes um, kind of runway media and whatever, but I could sit here and I could tell you that Kendall Jenner is a supermodel. Uh, Heidi Klum once was. Gigi, Bella. Yeah, yeah, these kind of um, people. Naomi. Campbell. Yes, thank you. Um, these type of people. And if uh, that's it. Yeah. You know, and if you look at all those people, you know, name me one plus size supermodel that's in mainstream media. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head, and the main reason I can honestly think of it is because of the amount of controversy, is Tess Holiday. Tess Holiday. Yeah, so Piers Morgan did a whole thing on Tess Holiday, but Tess Holiday herself, I do not think is the best example purely because of the fact she is so controversial and not even just because she's a plus size model. Like she has said some very interesting things and she's just a very right. controversial character in general. But I, 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 I agree with you that there's definitely not a lot of space for plus size or even mid sized models yeah. in the yeah. runway world. But I am going to agree with you and say you're actually absolutely right. Because Vogue Business actually mm -hmm. released reports. So you've probably seen in the past sort of month all the runway shows. So obviously you had New York Fashion Week, yeah. Paris Fashion Week, Milan. They all just happened at the same time. So that was the spring, summer for 2024. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Vogue Business released the reports for the body inclusivity across all the four major cities and analysed them all um, on the women's wear and to determine the level of the size, inclusivity, and representation. So they've done this previously, and they've always found that most major luxury brands fell behind compared to the younger ones, which I think makes a lot of sense, because, you know, you look at the older brands. I mean, even, like, Victoria's Secrets, like, the shows are such a good example of that, because it's run by an old white man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He literally is so in the past with how his models need to look and won't even bat an eyelid. But then again, like you said, I think they did a more inclusive show this year or last year. And I still think I think it was Victoria's Secret because I think pretty sure they were wearing lingerie. Um, I think, from what I recall, there was a woman in a wheelchair. Yeah. That's the one that sticks out to me in my brain. Yeah. yeah. But then in the past, he's refused to, he said stuff like, we don't want plus size women wearing our clothes and showing off our clothes because they're not for them, is pretty much what he has said in the past, which makes, it doesn't, it's not okay, but it makes sense for those kind of brands because of the kind of people that are running them. And it's kind of the same with all the older luxury brands that have been around for sort of centuries is that they've got those old fashion. It's interesting, I just Googled Fashion Week 2024, I'm seeing one body type. Mm -hmm. This is what I mean in terms of it's... I don't want to say I don't feel like it's my place to call it tokenism, because I think um, that's a very powerful word. But it feels like whenever I... It feels like whenever I see um, body inclusivity on runway, I'm seeing it for a purpose yeah and it's fulfilling that purpose of letting everyone know 
just because you don't see it often you've seen it once you should be happy now this year actually balenciaga was involved and so was moogler um so in the article they break it into the four different cities but i'll tell you the classifications for plus-sized and mid-sized okay is this american and this is just what they consider like a, a mid-sized model a plus-sized model and then your classic model which they i hate this they call it straight straight size in the article it's yeah are you straight size or are you gay size <laughs> I need to know. I'm queer. <laughs> I'm queer sized. <laughs> it makes you just sound like you're tiny. Does, yeah. does that not like does queer like not sound like small to you? Yeah. Like no. if you're queer sized, you're like little. Yeah. But straight size, like I was reading it and I was I mean what I, I was kinda like, what else would you call it? I mean like you kinda just got like stereotypical, I guess. But straight sized feels so icky i don't know there's something about it but okay so straight size and this is in uk sizes i've put it in mm-hmm. so straight size so your typical model would be a size two to a size six no size eight okay yeah so that's your typical size model mm-hmm. and then so for your mid-sized mm-hmm. you'd be considered considered a 10 to a 16 right and then for plus size, it's 18 and above in UK sizes. Okay. So across all the cities and all the shows, mm-hmm. there were 9,584 complete looks with and models. So each mm-hmm. model. So there was 230 shows across New York, London, Milan, and Paris. So what percent do you think of the models were plus size or mid size? So you can include like group plus size and mid size together on a percentage. What would you say in the year of 2023? You know what? I might go like, I don't have to really lowball it. It's not going to be nowhere near equal. It's not going to be nowhere near equal. So I'm thinking, is 20% too high? Genuinely, I'm considering 20% too high. But I feel I might go. 15% surely 15% do you want to call a friend well, I don't I don't have a lot I'll find a friend I'll find RIT support actually <laughs> um I don't have a lot of the thing is if it is 15% that's still absolutely fucking atrocious but it's bad that I don't have faith in it being that high so I'm going to say 15% and that's with me putting a lot of faith in the fucking Oh, go on, tell me. Okay, so across each city and all the shows, the amount of plus-size and mid-size models was 4.8%. You're kidding. In the year of twenty, In the year of the Barbie movie. You're... <laughs> in the year of the Barbie movie. You're kidding. 4.8%. And if you want to break that down more, only 3.9% were mid-sized and 0.9% were plus-sized. You're kidding. So that's less than 1% of 9,584 models across all the shows in all those cities. My God. So I did math. Yeah. I did math, I did the girl math. (laughs) Of course, yeah. And so that means 
Around 86 models in total were plus-sized. Around 373 of the models were mid-sized, which means 9,124 of the models were what they call straight size, so a size 2 to 8 in UK sizes. If you're going to be, right, bold statement, if you're going to be exclusive, be exclusive. <laughs> Don't, you know, it's like false hope. Yeah. It feels like false hope because that 9,000 whatever, that's not going to come down anytime soon. Why? Crazy that that's this year. Like the reason, like I said, the reason that it was on my mind was because I went and watched Devil Wears Prada and I was thinking, obviously, it's all based off Vogue and things like that. And yeah. Fiction, you know, but like it. Complete that, fiction, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That came movie came out 20... Well, the book came out 20 years ago. And I think now we are so... Like, you go on TikTok and you go on Instagram. And, I mean, it depends on what you follow. But there's so much body positivity and different body types and different creators with different body types. Yeah. At least on my few page and my followers. So you don't think about it. So when I saw these stats, I was shocked. I definitely agree that I think now... More than ever, you can tailor your um, social media and what you consume for you. It's been a very big thing with TikTok, you know, the For You page being so exclusive and for you, um, saying that, you know, I still see the same TikToks on my For You page as I do in, you know, people around me, but I guess that's who you surround yourself with. And it is that sort of thing that, you know, it never crosses my mind to think about these curators on tiktok and think about their body image now i get like pull of like asos whatever and i'm not regardless of if the girl is my size or slimmer or bigger i'm not i'm i'm just in clothes yeah but i guess with this like elitist sort of fashion it's meant to be about the clothes yeah and the only the only um not counter i could give because i'm not going to counter that argument but the concept of the silhouette right mm-hmm. um model does not need to be a size two no. i also think it was really interesting actually about um the size ranges you've got so straight what was it straight Straight sized is considered yeah. a size, well, UK sizes we're doing, UK 2 to UK 8. Right. And it's so, such a weird, I hate the phrase, but like on the article, it was, I think it was straight sized. Right. So if you take me, for example, I can fit into an 8, I can fit into a 10, depending on where I shop. I can fit into a 12. So I can fit into that straight size in theory. Obviously, depending on where the clothes are from, because everyone knows that sizes don't translate well. But my body looks like none of these women, you know? And then, but that's that's what's confusing to me is that these, you know, quote unquote, straight sized models, how do all of their body types look the same? Yeah. Because it's not just weight and sizes it's height it's torso length and leg length you know you you're borderline finding carbon copies of the same woman whoever this woman is you know 
are they meant to be like mannequins i don't know i don't know if it's just the classic it's been like this for so long so this is what we go for aesthetically and this is what we put our clothes on because this is what we've always you know done because like i mean even take it i mean take it back to the 1920s mm-hmm. i'd say i mean the body types are slightly different obviously they went for the kind of androgynous look which also was extremely unhealthy yeah but like i don't know sometimes when i think of a supermodel i do kind of see that 1920s silhouette and it's kind of also there i guess with if you're going with the straight fit but then you know we've also got like the that is not the body standard for today like well you know we've had the kardashians over the past decade and it's been like the big hourglass figure and now they're all getting their bbls reversed and things like that which i think is also kind of worrying just in the sense that like in 2023 we are really not showing any kind of body inclusivity in runway shows and things like that and that's with things like the kardashians which are like promoting more hourglass figures and things like that and now that they're starting to reverse those things like is it going to get worse next year i don't know if it's necessarily going to get worse or if it's just not going to change because it hasn't changed it's almost like someone wrote the rule book and that's it that the rules cannot be changed and they think they're breaking the rule book by adding in you know that four percent of women that don't have that body type I think it's interesting with the Kardashians, though, because the Kardashians are, I would say, an extreme version of everything. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you've got him who is just the epitome of, you know, like the BBL and the hourglass shape and everything. But then you've also got Kendall, who is, who is a supermodel, who is that um, sort of look. And it's just interesting... I mean, Chloe is obviously such an interesting one to talk about when you talk about um, the revenge body was a massive thing. I remember that. Do you know what I think is interesting? And I don't know if this is just... I I know you're going to get this, 100%. Because this is the world we're in, at least. The, like, muscle mommy. that's That's presenting a whole new body type for women that we've not really seen before. It's interesting, and um, I think one of the biggest, I mean, I don't know if you know who Sid Grose is. She's on TikTok as Sid Grose. Sydney, I think I call him Sydney Cassidy, don't correct me on that. Um, She's done a lot, I'm in her Facebook group, actually. She's got a Facebook group called Women's Locker Room or something. Along these lines on Facebook, and it's really, it's honestly, I love that Facebook group because there will be women posting all sorts of body shapes in there, asking for advice, asking for advice on form at the gym and things like this, and whatever, you know. And it's a really, really nice environment to be in because I, I personally don't post it. I've commented on a few things. For me, that's the only time where I've looked at something on my phone and gone oh wow she she looks like me because it's a real person like it you know there's been a couple of occasions where the girls on there you know they've spoke about things um that I'm like oh shit like that's my body like my body does that my body has that and it it 
feels like it's it's a new level of being seen when someone is like actually going out their way to acknowledge like my body has this you know and they're not even in like a negative way it's just a, like this is matter of fact this is how my body's built and this is you know but i think the i think the whole i know it's really funny but the whole muscle mommy thing is like starting to i worry that's gonna go quite toxic comment on this because as you were talking about i was thinking about it and like i mean we kind of got into the gym i mean the way that we have at the same time yeah um and the gym helped me drastically with i've had some kind of like very bad like eating issues in the past like Mm -hmm. since i was like 13 and before i went to university i was the skinniest i'd ever been because of covid and i could no longer you know go to the gym so my focus became on restricting them and then obviously going to university i met amazing friends and you know my mind came off of that but i was still very very small and it was still something that kind of consumed me and going to the gym and also talking with my partner because he was kind of into the gym uh, my relationship with food became so much better because I was no longer looking at it in a negative light. I was looking at it like it was fuel. Mm-hmm. Like if I yeah. want a good workout, I need to have protein, I need to have carbs, and then I can go to the gym and I can perform the best I can. Yeah. But, and I've never, I don't think I've ever, ever had a super toxic relationship with the gym. I get annoyed if I can't go at times when I was getting very into it now I've got a fairly healthy relationship where I like I go but if I miss it I don't get too upset now like I just kind of like oh well I'll take it or leave it yeah I'm going in a very negative way if you got super duper obsessed with it this was my thing with um once again this might just be the amount of media I consume on this my tiktok is just full of these really really strong women you know they've got a lot of muscle a lot of tone they've got built arse they've got thick thighs but it's all muscle it's not fat and i think that's great and there's a part of me that finds that really really empowering that you know i can go to the gym and i can lift whatever i want to lift and I know that unless I am as dedicated to it as she is, I won't look like her. I'm aware of that. But is it creating this whole other new body type for women we haven't seen before that might also go kind of... I mean, I feel like it's also the thing of, like, our bodies... I'm not... You know what? I am going to predominantly say women's bodies because I have not seen this kind of trend with men at all because I feel like yes women some women do have preference you know some people like some women like men who look like Pete Davidson other people like big rugby players not thinking of anyone in particular me get me you know who I'm obsessed with at the moment Jordan Riki he's a New Zealand rugby player stop it (laughs) I'm obsessed with this man. Jordan Reedy, if you're listening, because you are my husband, I'm obsessed with you. My TikTok is full of him. I'm obsessed. I'm in love. Sorry. Oh, so hot. I can send you it. No, you sent me a TikTok. I just... I did. I did. I sent you a TikTok. (laughs) I follow him on Instagram. I think he's so hot. Men's body types 
do not go through the same phase as women's do. Like, okay, so you've got 1920s, you've got your flapper. Then yeah. the 1930s, they wanted to gain more weight. 1940s, slim down again. 1950s, kind of a healthier body weight. And you had more curvy, I'd say, because you had Marilyn Monroe. Very- Marilyn Monroe, I want to talk about that. Sorry, real quick, pit stop. Marilyn Monroe was a size 10, 12. I was told in history she was a curvy, you know, she was a bumptious, thick woman. No, she wasn't. She looked like me. No, but when I mean by voluptuous and thick, I mean I was, Marilyn Monroe was something to me as a plus size woman. See, I was never given that kind of... I distinctly, distinctly remember my history teacher, Miss Roberts, don't like her, anyway, uh, (laughs) distinctly remember her standing for the class and telling us why Marilyn Monroe was so important because she did excellent things for women's body image because she was a plus size woman she's not a plus size woman she's a mid-sized woman mid-sized 100 percent. i'd say do you know what i think she did a lot for women's body image purely because of the fact i think she was just her so one thing you know how you're talking about the sort of like you know i don't know the right word but like the token plus size the token mid-sized yeah brands can get away with things so what the Paris was the worst, first of all, for the amount of um, inclusivity they had. It's really annoying because they don't get, they didn't give an exact number for Paris for the amount of models. But out of the little graph, I kind of worked it out. You know, there wasn't exact numbers, um, and it was I think less than one percent were mid or plus size models in Paris, which isn't surprising. Like you look at Paris, and one of the things. That was really interesting is that Balenciaga were number two. There for the so there's a top ten list for each city of ranked top ten for the inclusivity, and Balenciaga was number two. And last year they didn't even play, so it is good. They introduced their first plus size model in Paris. Um, so one percent of their models were plus size, and six point nine percent were mid size, which might sound really good. <laughs> But they had a total of 87 looks and only had one plus size model and six mid-size. What? 87. What makes them think that that's okay? Yeah. Like, how many people had to sign off on that decision to say, you know what, we'll do, we'll throw one in there because we don't want to be too crazy. We'll throw one in there. Like... I, okay, I hate to look at it like this. I really do. But if I'm thinking from a purely marketing, um, you know, want to cause a fuss, a stir, I would fucking make it completely equal. If not, have the scales tip in, you know, plus size, so there's a higher percentage of plus size women than women. Do they not think that would make the brand fucking explode? You know what I think it is? I think 
so this isn't the first time Vogue has released this. They did one last year, and I don't know if they did one the year before. Vogue released that, and Balenciaga weren't on it once, and they were like, well, at least we'll get in on this one. If we do it in Paris, we'll definitely get in on it, because they were number two, and they had one plus-size model and six mid-sized. And they were number, they were number two in the top ten for Paris for their inclusivity. So no one else had them? Oh, yeah, so there were ten other brands. So the number one in paris was nina ritchie and they had a total of 36 models with 22.2 percent of them being plus sized so i think it was 11.1 percent were plus sized and 11.1 percent were mid-sized um okay. so we're talking about four plus sized models and four mid-sized models and there were 36 so it 22 percent isn't bad compared to the other brands so that was the highest ranked in Paris and the fact Balenciaga was second after that and only had one plus size model is crazy that is insane especially considering they had 87 look it's it's hard to wrap your head around why you know because I think we can sit here and we can say you know seeing mid-size and plus-size models will not be detrimental to the brand or like we could only view the brand in a more positive way if they did that so what's stopping them from doing that is it the you know the kind of elitist like say like rule book that got wrote how many years ago they're trying to stick to is it like what is it are they trying to be so exclusive i think it's i mean you hear a lot of brands saying the kind of things you've heard dolce and gabbana say it i feel like the kind of thing is well we pick the people who look good in our clothes and we want to be wearing our clothes like it's gonna it'll entice people to buy it because they want to look like that which is such an old-fashioned it's awful mindset to have it's like i said like we we're on you know we're gen z we're like internet age yeah and when you take a step out of that and you see this and you kind of like the percentages are so it's insane it's something that but at least they can't be caught in a controversy for not having any plus-size models because they've put some in there. But they think that they've ticked a box. Oh, they've, they've ticked a box, yeah. 100%. It's, almost, it's like, so the problem can be solved, right? If they solve the problem right away, I guess they get, they get one big round of applause and then everyone carries on with their life. If they solve the problem in steps, they can keep getting that praise. They can prolong that longevity of like, Look, we're improving, we're improving, we're improving, we're improving. Not, we improve. Yeah. We did that. We did it. You know, we're past it. We're on to the next thing. I guess that could be a way of looking at it. But that, it is insane that those statistics are so low. I mean, it's, it's bad to say I'm not surprised, but it doesn't make it any less appalling. Yeah. I think it's kind of, I mean, I've said this like three times now, but when you don't look at it on a spreadsheet like that, you're kind of like oh, you know, like, things have improved so much since, like, the 90s and you had Kate Moss and, like, you know, like, heroin chic and all that. Like, we're not there anymore. Like, you know, body neutrality and body positivity. And then when you see it on a sheet like this, it's like, oh, no. I I didn't think it was this bad. Still, Yeah. I think another angle to look at it, which is really interesting, thinking about kind of, like, us looking at it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you need to think about, like, who is this detrimental for? Because is is this appalling to Kim Kardashian because her body type is not represented? No. Is this detrimental to, I don't know, the 
15, 16 year old girl that, you know, she's hit puberty. So she's put on weight and, you know, she absolutely loves fashion and she sees this and she feels absolutely awful about herself. You know, it's more detrimental to her, right? And I think that's the scary thing. That is the thing. I think it's two sides of it because there's obviously, there's not enough and not even just with like plus size people, but like just the range of diversity for mm-hmm. with models. Oh, yeah. Like, like you said, you know, that 15 year old girl, but also like for plus size people that love fashion and then not being represented because the world does not look like those, no, what was it, straight sized. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't look like that. But like, I think it's also the thing of, I mean, I don't know if you're the same, like, I'd love to say that I look in the mirror every day and go, I absolutely look, like, I don't. And I think a lot of women do. And I think that is because of the pressure that is put. And, like, you can look at it as, well, you know, like you said, you don't watch fashion shows. And you don't. But, like, it it slowly seeps its way in to culture. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. like you know the kardashians are reversing all their bbls and it's going back to the like the kind of 90s look they're all losing so much weight it does affect and i'm majority like majority young people 100 mm-hmm. especially with the way the world is now with things like social media and tiktok and everything else and like i feel like i sound like a parent right now but <laughs> it is such a thing of everyone films everything everyone takes photos of themselves i'm one of them i'm not gonna you know because not only is it fun but like you people want to feel seen young people want to feel seen and this is how they feel seen by posting something and doing that but you know there's a certain look you should have on social media there's a certain and it is like no matter how much inclusivity there might be people don't post the worst photo of them on Monday morning. No. You know? And I feel like that's so basic, but, like, that is really what it comes down to. Do you think that because of this kind of outdated view that, like, Fashion Week and Runway and Vogue and blah, blah, blah have, I mean, maybe this is just, once again, my opinion, I can't say for sure um, that it's losing popularity, but... Is it losing popularity? Is it how how much is this as important as it was? Because I think it's important to the elite, right? Oh yeah. It, it's it's a highlight for those celebrities that can go and the celebrities that can wear these clothes, you know, on upcoming um, movie premieres and you know pause and things. That this is this is for them. This isn't for us. So it does it lose its popularity and status because it's so exclusive yeah no 100 percent. i understand what you mean but it's like one of my favorite lines of all time right and it's from i literally use this in my dissertation <laughs> is in devil wears prada miranda Priestley does this whole spiel about the lumpy blue sweater and how and how andy's unaware of the fact that oscar de la renta did a collection of cerulean gowns and how everything yeah, trickled its, trickles way, its down. way down how you think you made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry where in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff and i think yeah. that isn't just with fashion i think that's with everything like people have such like for years now i've had such eyes on the kardashians like i 
don't think it's stopped. I don't think it's slowed down. I think they've definitely maybe not had as much power, but I also don't know, is that because we're growing up? Like, Maybe, yeah. sat, you know, what, I mean, I still watch the Kardashians, I'm not going to lie, because guilty pleasure, it's entertaining. <laughs> but, like, it's pop culture. <laughs> yeah, I think it I think it's hard to conclude this topic. Uh, I have a conclusion. Okay. Never mind. It's so easy to conclude this topic. Mace is gonna do it for us right now. Go. <laughs> I'll run down all the countries. Wow. We're going on a geography trip. United States, Canada, Mexico, Canada. Hey, DJ, make up over. <laughs> right, so obviously, last we had Paris. Then we had Milan, which had 2.2% .2 of... <laughs> plus size mid-size models and one of them was Dolce & Gabbana which I thought was really interesting because Dolce & Gabbana have been so like icky with the things they've said in the past about just being bigger like their whole thing is like I am slim and I am beautiful Right. but they actually sponsored a London-based designer called Caroline Vito in Mil who did a show in Milan and Vito actually 100% of her looks in the show were mid or plus size so she produced a total of 30 looks and 17 were mid-size and the other 13 were plus sized Wow. so surprising that Dolce & Gabbana sponsored them Dolce & Gabbana also had like plus size and mid-size models put into their show there definitely weren't that many however they did bring That's them in that's that's really good. Though. So are you wait a second. Sorry, are you reading this this bottom to top? yes so So worst bottom was Paris that was a big jump from Paris to Milan. That's a big jump. Two point two. So I think Paris was. I couldn't find the exact number because of the stupid graph. But it was about one percent, a little bit higher, maybe. And in Milan as well. And I've only mentioned this because I loved the show so much, and I've like talked about it on top four. But A V A V A V. I saw. I loved that show so much, and I just had to mention it. It was really disappointing, though. It ranked third in Milan with it because they had a total of twenty five looks, and twenty percent were mid size, but they didn't have any plus size models whatsoever. Yeah. um new york was had 6.4 percent of plus size and mid-size models there wasn't really anything particularly interesting with new york like there wasn't it was kind of just like low percentages which i thought was quite surprising for it being in america like milan paris okay Yeah. but yeah new york's pretty much the same from what i could see london was the highest and had a total of 11.2%. Okay. So it's the first of the big four to get over that 10%. And I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Chapova Loina um, did a show um, and that ranked first in the UK sizes with 95.2% um, of her looks being mid-sized and 4.8% being plus-sized. So they didn't have a single straight-sized look. Also, something that was really cool about the brand is that they cast, they street cast their models. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I think automatically kind of opens up a more diverse Yeah. range because, Yeah, definitely. yeah, I feel That like a lot of brands just look in a catalogue and pick their models. yeah, that's insane. So, obviously, looking at these figures, what's your prediction for next year? I don't think it's going to get much better. I think it'll go up by a couple percent again. I don't know if Do you think it's 
all gonna go up i could see london going up a lot i hope new york will go up i don't think it will i think paris might get a little kick in the ass just because of how poor the res- like you look at them on a graph paris was like the tiniest little line at the top for any kind of inclusivity but then again i don't think they care but then they've obviously put those models in for a reason but then i don't know if that's other brands from other countries coming in and doing that yeah but something that i found out that was really interesting um was the most inclusive fashion show that wasn't included because it wasn't on the big four was Copenhagen Fashion Week, which had the most size inclusivity. They had a 503 looks across 18 fashion shows for Vogue Runway. 1.4% were plus size and the and 15.3% were mid-sized. And so 83.3% were straight sized. But in 2007, they started something with the Danish Fashion Ethical Centre. So it's basically a set of rules that say that the fashion industry, there should be more diversity in terms of things like ability, age, ethnicity, gender, race, religion, size, and how much money people have. The rules also say that fashion designers should think about how their work affects the way people see their bodies, especially young people. And Copenhagen Fashion Week has also said they want to encourage a healthier idea of beauty in the fashion world. The CEO of Copenhagen Run Week, Cecile, I'm going to absolutely destroy this, Thornmark <laughs> said their brands have been aware of this for a long time and have been actively working on it. They've said that although they've made a lot of progress, there's still lots more to be made. And that it's a must that all the brands should follow the Danish ethical fashion charters rules and values and they check behind the scenes to make sure all the brands are doing this and offer help to any brands that need it. So that's right that i mean that's absolutely incredible yeah. that they are taking that initiative and doing that in that, 2007 I mean, that was started as well which 2007 I th- yeah bloody hell which is crazy but i mean then that's been going on for how long and you know they've come this far with their inclusive shows i mean i mean there's still such a low percent for plus size models yeah that's what i mean like that was 2007 yeah. that was what six you guys say six years ago. <laughs> 16? Well, it can't be 16 years ago. It fucking was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. 2007 was not 16 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yes. Wait, this is how I worked it out. Right, 2020 plus three. No, this is how I worked out. 2023 minus three. Yeah. To get to 10 minus 10. That's 30 and then minus three again. That's girl math. <laughs> 16 years ago, 2007. Nah, I've not been alive for that long. That concludes. <laughs> that concludes. Does it conclude anything else? Um, I mean, I enjoyed this chat. I think it was, it's a very interesting chat to have. And I think as with anything of this sort, um, you know, you do have to be conscious of your own role in this. Going by those standards, I'd fall into the mid-sized category. I think for me, maybe just consume the media enough. Do I see these models and do I think about my own body? Yes. Is it something that, you know, consumes definitely massive parts of my life in terms of the gym and, you know, how I look at myself, how clothes fit? Yes. But that's one thing I was going to say. I think I do view height as a big part of it. Oh yeah, I'm, same. 
I'm a petite, we're petite girls. Yeah. We are, you know, yeah. we're both five foot one. I'm a little bit poor branded, but, but, um, you know, I look at these models, they're all fucking like five, six, maybe five, eight, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Tall, tall women. Um, and so I know, even if I had that body type, it would look completely different on me have the kind of like it it's not there's no normalization when it comes to food and weight and the way your body should look like i don't think i I mean there's body neutrality and i think you can achieve that but i think it is difficult to do like you know the whole whole thing in euphoria where it's like body positivity and i that was such a good example of yeah it's amazing the main thing to strive for should be body neutrality and having being healthy both in sort of like fitness terms not you know but doing things that you enjoy first of all yeah and getting exercise and stuff because honestly I don't go to the gym as much and I miss it just because I really enjoyed going to the gym it's really good for your mental health it's like good for everything yeah exercise in general is insane like if you have like it's one thing i especially since going to union we were when we lived together we were the biggest people for this in any house we lived in not spending all day inside yeah we would go for walks yeah (laughs) i miss us for walks um like just getting out the house and doing that small amount like that's so like i want to ask i want to ask the question but this is going to be such you know the flea bag moment well like if you would trade in five years of your life to have the perfect body type and put your hand and then like they both just raise their hands yeah because i like want to ask the question like if you could would you i I, honestly i feel like if you asked me this a month ago i would have like been like 100 percent yes yeah so like oh. it's really hard to say because i i'd love to be like no 100 percent not but but like that's because this month i've not been focusing on it next yeah. month i could be back onto it and i'd be like 100 percent. yeah so it is it is interesting like i had an incident um the other month i ordered some clothes I ordered trousers, right? I think fashion and seeing the way things look online and then seeing it come through your door and trying on, you're never going to look the way you think you are. Oh. And that's something that I think maybe this has to blame for, you know, these runway shows, this, because they do present it on. You see it and you think it's gonna look like that and you and it won't because these clothes are presented in this way and not on it's like we were talking about their clones they are with the exact same measurements to every single person which no like not every normal person has and yes with smaller and newer brands like they kind of mentioned like asos and h&m and the kind of high streets i think a lot more better at bringing in inclusivity but like 
you said it is those like it trickles down from the top Mm -hmm. and those it's it's presented as the ideal yeah and that's that's the issue and i think the thing is it should reflect the body types that you see in the world and it should be you know it should represent but maybe i'm just being too hope and i think i am being extremely hopeful there i also think london particularly and their art scene is bringing in a lot more working class people than any other city i mean like you look straight away at vivian westwood alexander mcqueen who aren't recent they were decades ago but you know alexander mcqueen had working class background so did vivian westwood and i think because of things like camden and that being so present not just camden because we know camden's kind of gone to shit a little bit now but like London has been so much better in recent years in bringing in more working class people, which is why I think we're seeing a better, more diverse side with London. But also London still has an extremely poor, when I, I like with the working class percentage when it comes to like the, yeah. m- in terms of the media, I know that for sure. I know there was a big oh, rise and like talk about it earlier this year, but... I think we do better than I the think... other, like, New York. Awful. Oh, yeah. It's hard talking about an industry that's so exclusive. It is a system that was built that way. Everyone has known it's been built that way. You know, this isn't a new thing. And, you know, now it's finally starting to slowly break into it. But it's going to take a lot of time. And I think it's, I think it's going to take a lot of setback. Because I think... The second the kind of body positivity movement slips and something else maybe takes threshold of it, it can go back to doing what they know, which is putting those that, you know, straight size at, you know, even more so at the forefront than they are. Because, you know, I think it's it's a fight that still needs to be had and still needs to be talked about and can't be ignored just because they put one plus size one way. I think it's a good way to put it. Is this the end of the first podcast? Uh, thank you for listening for the first ever episode of the Tart Podcast. Uh, we're going to be coming out with these weekly, uh, both with different topics, both with different topics about pop culture, fashion, arts, visual arts. I don't know what else, music, anything else you can think of. You can find Tart on our Instagram at tartmagazine underscore. Also our website, tartstudios.co.uk and our TikTok, which is Tart Studios. Um, where can they find you? You got anything to plug? Damn. Um, Here's my hinge and Tinder. <laughs> So Hinge and Tinder, you can find me Kate on Hinge and Tinder. Uh, that's, I was going to put my Instagram on the scale, find me Hinge and Tinder. Leave that in. Leave that in. I will not.